Hello and welcome to the second episode of The New Wave of Healthcare. I am your host, Emily Wittenhagen, the Marketing and Communications Manager here at the Foundation for Healthcare Quality. The tides of American healthcare are shifting rapidly, and while that means healthcare is in the news a lot more than it used to be, it doesn't mean the public necessarily understands what's going on. Even those of us in the healthcare world have a hard time keeping up. Amid all this uncertainty emerges the new wave of healthcare, a podcast designed to help you wade through the complexities of our healthcare system, how it got this way, where it's going, and most importantly, how it affects you and your loved ones. Today, we will explore the question, how can large hospital systems care for its caregivers following an adverse event? With us are four employees from the University of Washington Medical Center, one of the largest hospitals in our area, and one that U.S. News and World Report has named the number one best hospital in Washington for seven consecutive years. Uh, And the team is kind enough to be here to share their firsthand experience with this very question. So at this point, I will introduce our four guests. First off is Jessica Yanni Moody, MS, CNS, RN, and she is the Associate Director of Safety and Quality at the University of Washington Medical Center and currently provides primary leadership for patient safety and culture change within the UW Medical Center. She works collaboratively with executives, faculty, and staff to identify trends, patterns, and opportunities to improve safety, quality, and to reduce risk. Next up, we have Nicola Kay, MN, ACNP, BC, ANP, and she's been teaching associate in the Division of Cardiothoracic Surgery at the University of Washington Medical Center with 12 years of practice providing acute care service, progressing the patient from ICU to discharge. James Churgai is the Mechanical Circulatory Support Coordinator at the University of Washington Medical Center and a registered nurse who moved to the Pacific Northwest a year ago from Pennsylvania. He's been practicing RN for about five years with experience and trauma and cardiothoracic ICUs. Matt Gleed is the assistant nurse manager on 5SA, the cardiothoracic intensive care unit at Utah Medical Center. He's been a nurse for about 10 years and served as an acute care registered nurse, change nurse, critical care bedside nurse, hemodialysis nurse, and stat nurse. He's currently charged with onboarding new ICU nurses. So thank you all for being here. And at this point, I will turn it over to Jessica Yanni Moody, who will introduce the case we'll be discussing today. Thank you, Emily. So at UWMC, we had a complex patient who had undergone surgery and was following a recovery pathway uh, and had some issues around quality of life and requested a procedure specifically to improve these quality of life issues. And we discovered there were no errors or complications with the procedure, but the patient suddenly and unexpectedly began to decompensate. Uh, And the events that then unfolded in attempts to save the patient and communicate with the family resulted in unintended trauma to our dedicated team of medical professionals caring for the patient. And when this error first occurred, it wasn't even an error, I apologize. When this adverse event occurred, uh, it was immediately reported through our patient safety net. This is our reporting system for all of our patient safety errors, near misses, uh, or unsafe conditions. Uh, When this report came through, uh, immediately our patient safety team recognized that this was a horrific event and heartbreaking for the staff that were involved. 
And we were in the middle of designing a proposal for our Care for the Caregiver program we'll be implementing over the next several years through UW Medicine. But we realized we needed to do something now. And we wanted to capitalize on our existing resources and utilize those to provide a venue of support for our staff after this event. So we took the Team Steps quick five-minute debrief format, and we wove that into our patient safety process, wrapping quality improvement protections around it, and expanded it from being a five to 10-minute quick round debrief to an hour and a half after this event. Uh, we weren't sure uh, how soon we could get everyone together. This this event occurred across several services. It was multidisciplinary, very complex patient, and many, many caregivers were involved in the event. We wanted to make sure that we could support them all. Uh, so I believe the event happened uh, somewhere right before the weekend, and the following week, we actually were able to bring everyone together in an hour and a half format. Uh, We started it out talking about what went well. Uh, We talked about what didn't go well. We needed a confidential quality improvement protected venue. This meant that everything that was going to be said within that debrief would stay within that debrief. So we really provided that safe space for providers to openly discuss and understand the event as it occurred and do some reflection. Additionally, we invited in uh, our uh, spiritual care representative and uh, someone from our social work team. just to make sure that if, if there was anyone who needed additional support, we were watching for those behaviors and we were very sure to reach out to those people afterwards. Uh, from there, uh, people were allowed to tell their story and their experience in the event. Uh, and, and it was quite emotional. And, it, and as a, a leader in patient safety, we really had this aha moment of how important it is that we have this venue available when these events happen and it appeared to be very important for our caregivers to feel and i'm quoting one of our physician providers here that they were fine they they really felt supported and loved by uw medicine and and the leaders of uw medicine being able to come to this event Uh, and so from there i think it's important that we actually hear from the caregivers who were involved in the event and what their experience was uh, in being able to be part of a debrief and have this safe place where they could come to so soon after the event and discuss what happened. Uh, thank you, Jessica, for laying that out and putting everything into context. And um, now I'd like to have a roundtable type of discussion uh, uh, with the team and people's impressions of this experience and um, and what followed. So um, starting with you, Nicola, how did being party to this event affect you professionally or even personally? Um, Emily, thank you for the opportunity to speak. Um, you know, these are always incredibly challenging experiences, particularly as a nurse practitioner and part of a team. My goal is to really progress the patient for uh, my physician colleagues and the division. And when something goes off pathway, it's very, very challenging because you do second guess yourself. You say, what did I miss? 
what could I have done differently? So that's always my sort of beginning takeaway, just because all of us practice at the highest level and we have an amazing you know, goal to do the best for all of the patients we care for. And when that doesn't happen, I think all of us would say there's a moment of, oh, what, did I do something or did something happen that I didn't notice? So the opportunity to um, come afterwards and sort of hear and speak in a safe environment uh, was, for me, incredibly um, important because you feel supported. Sometimes in the moment of chaos and tragedy, you feel very alone as a provider. And uh, to actually see that the organization that you um, are very bonded to and work work with very closely support you is it, it, it it's sort of I can't tell you how important that is to work in, in that environment thank you so much um, what about you James so for me being a party to an event that occurred like this professionally uh, I like to echo what Nicola said is that we all work very close together and when something like this happens, it shows how well of a team we actually function together. But at the same point, you do have that second guessing and you start running the events through your head and trying to make sense of it. It's hard to do that. And being a part of uh, the University of Washington Medical Center where we have that support and had this opportunity to get our thoughts out there and just know professionally we did everything that we were doing and having the support and the um, uh, the word I'm looking for is the reassurance that we are doing everything at the top of our scope and correctly is astounding. And personally, being a party to an event like this, it it hits you because all of our patients we treat here at the University of Washington Medical Center are patients first. So the rapport that you build with them and their families, and in my role specifically, I tend to be a liaison between the healthcare team and the families, and I'm there 24-7 for them. So being a part of this, it affects you because you develop that rapport that um, is very strong, and you kind of are left with what's next. So I think that was how professionally and personally it affected me and this debriefing process was um, a great step in helping me put the pieces together. Thanks, James. That's And that's really interesting. Uh, maybe later would love to hear more about what it's like to be that liaison. I think that's an interesting role to be in and, um, and very important as well. So if we have time, maybe we can hear a little bit more about that. Um, but I'd love to hear, Matt, uh, your experience as well. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I, I think I'd like to echo what Nicola and James have said. I think um, when adverse events happen, it's hard uh, not to look at your own practice and second guess decisions that you made at that time. Uh, I also, uh, you know, these are, these are people uh, that we that we work with, um, that our, our patients have families and loved ones and part of communities. And uh, it's when something goes wrong, it is hard to not take that home with you and to carry it with you. And I, I think we all, all of us, uh, want to bring our best selves to the bedside. And um, it's, it's, it's a heavy weight sometimes it, uh, to, to carry and... Um, 
it's hard not to reflect on it and and second guess yourself and uh, I mean it can affect I don't know about you guys but when I go home after work and, and something like this happens uh, it's hard to be a part of your family sometimes because you're carrying that home with you and all of those emotions and feelings that you have uh, it's, it's difficult to just turn those off and separate yourself um, so absolutely uh, debriefing as a team and talking things out getting a more um, whole understanding of, of an event like this can really help with, uh, I mean, I think help us be better for our patients, but also just be better people outside of the hospital and where we live and work. Yeah, I mean, I can imagine, I can only imagine how hard it must be to uh, have that separation um, between your professional life and your personal life, especially when something like this comes up. Um, and not to carry that home with you. I mean, how you're only human. Um, so it's that must be a big challenge of the of this profession. Um, and especially given that a situation like this, where it sounds like there wasn't necessarily an error made. There was uh, people were following a request of the of the patient um, for their quality of life and. Um, and it just, there was an unexpected event is what it was. So, um, and even then it's every single one of you talked about second guessing. Um, so it's, it's even when you know that you've gone through the procedure as, as expected or as you, you know, or have been taught to, it still can, you know, unexpected things can happen. Um, and how, how is how the system that you work in helps respond to that feels r really important in that kind of situation so that you know you're not just inside your head second guessing yourself or feeling isolated or you know causing people to feel like they want to point fingers maybe which doesn't sound like this situation it sounds like the team was very um had a really good you know rapport working together and so some of you already touched on sort of the second question here, but that being how to being part of the debrief help. Um, so if you'd like to speak more to that, I'd like to give some room to just really talk about, let people talk about how the this whole debriefing process really did um, help or, you know, if it if there was anything that maybe could have been better about it or, you know, what were the strengths of this um, and, you know, possibly if there are any areas for it to be better. Um, James, do you want to speak to that at all? Sure, um, I'd love to. So being a part of this debrief, I think what we all kind of touched upon was we start second guessing and in that moment and after everything happens, you're left with yourself and the immediate people that you communicate with that were involved, but you don't really realize across the spectrum of everybody who was involved. So being a part of this debrief and having everybody come together, you actually realize you have a lot in common with other people and how they think um, across the multidisciplinary teams, whether it be social work or spiritual care, the nurse practitioners, the bedside nurses, the coordinators, everybody involved, you realize that you all have the same kind of questions and being able to be in a room together and being a part of a debrief gets all that out there and you realize that you're actually not alone and that you uh, are okay in thinking the way that you are and that it is normalized because we all care for these patients and that we all think 
of patients first and we are putting them actually first in the situation. So just to convey your emotions and your feelings and questions that you may have and seeing that others are thinking the same, I think was a huge help in that situation. And what about you, Matt? Anything that you would like to add? Sure. I, you know, something I've been thinking about, um, you know, I think we, when we make mistakes or even uh, make decisions, I think when we look back at our own actions, we have a tendency to look at ourselves through uh, circumstance. You know, we like all of the all of the events that led up to whatever decision we made. We take those into consideration when we evaluate that decision. But I think when we look at other people and see the decisions that they make, we have a tendency to think of those decisions less about the result of less of the result of like circumstance and more like based on that person's character. Uh, does that make sense? Uh, so I think yeah, it does. This, this sort of a debrief allows for every member of the care team to see that we all, we all sort of had circumstances that brought us to that day and that moment and those decisions. And I think that that, that sort of shared awareness creates that sense of uh, community and a sort of uh, shared sense of um, experience and purpose, which is really, I think, helpful and builds for uh, stronger care teams going forward. Yeah, it, it feels like this kind of thing would, um, if anything, when it go, the debriefing goes well, it brings you together. Um, and that that alone is, is such a, a powerful thing, uh, especially when everyone's sort of in a questioning mode like that. So um, what about you, Nicola? Did you have anything you'd like to add about your experience of how the debrief helped? Or uh, Yeah, well, I actually had one two comments first one was more of a just a quick global comment and, and working as a nurse practitioner uh you know and i said this long years and years and years ago to some students i've had is that i wouldn't work somewhere unless i felt supported and i didn't feel and i and i didn't have people you know um uh, judging and second guessing and looking over my shoulder and i feel like i can practice at my highest level and i think you know, I've never felt at the University of Washington in the years that I've practiced as a nurse practitioner that um, there was that environment. And I think that's that's key, certainly in my role and how I'm able to practice there and how I was able to deliver the care with this patient. Uh, that's just, I think, part of why I've stayed there. Uh, I know that's a little off topic, but it's important for me to sort of communicate that, particularly in this situation, because it does then... Uh, sort of move into why we're talking about the topic we have today, which is how do we, you know, make that a supportive environment for all of the care team. And I've always felt that. And now I think that it's been put into practice at the university and in, in the system that we work in. And the opportunity to sort of not only, I think, take the emotions and the feelings that we had from a week prior to then have an opportunity to voice them and then hear everybody else's was, it was very humbling and just so important to know that there's a vast amount of people that are affected by this one event. And you certainly know that on the day, but 
you know, the, the event happens the next hour from my perspective and everybody else in the healthcare team, they go on to the next patient and you're supposed to pick yourself up and um, do the best for the next person that you see uh, for that day or the next person you're caring about. So the opportunity to um, come together in a particularly safe uh, environment and an environment that was very free uh, was, was I think, was, was just, it, it, again, just reiterates why I work where I work. Because if that didn't happen, um, if I felt that we didn't have that support, it, it really doesn't matter the system. It's 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 kind of like how they they treat you, how they support you, and um, yeah, I just wanted to say that because that's been very impactful uh, for this event, and I'm sure all the other events that all of us will experience. Yes, um, I I love that. I mean, you say that this is not. It was a little bit off topic, but I feel where it applies to you know, retaining staff and making people feel safe and cared for in their, um, you know, where they work. Because in, I think in a, in a place where this wasn't offered, um, there, and this probably, you know, this does happen that people may move on from that place because it's, you know, they didn't feel cared for and it was maybe, you know, they didn't have the chance to process this kind of thing um, afterwards and, and just sort of maybe being in that environment would be kind of triggering after that and that kind of thing. So it is so important to be able to, um, to process and, and to, and feel cared for. I'm curious, Jessica, do you, uh, do you want to speak to your experience with this and, and what, what was your, um, what was sort of your role here? Uh, yes. So I just, my role uh, was really in facilitating and just kind of keeping people on topic, uh, watching for, you know, in critical incident, stress incident debris, watching for people who maybe aren't speaking up and, and might want to speak up. And it actually was one of the easiest discussions I've ever had to facilitate because these teams were so just supportive of each other, which I think really spoke to the culture of UWMC, that people just, no one interrupted anyone. There was no fighting or finger pointing. You could, people could just honestly and openly, I guess, be raw would be the correct word about their emotions and feelings. And they were able to bounce off of each other you know they talk about what was your decision and understanding why people made the decisions they did in that moment and being able to say you were doing the best you could you really did everything for this patient and their family we recognize that as a hospital we recognize that as leaders and we want to make sure that we keep you operating and practicing like they say at the top of license how do we help you move on from this event so that you can get back to doing the great things you do for our patients. And I will say, uh, you know, a lot of people might start to think here, oh, how could I operationalize this uh, at my institution? Uh, I will say it was, it was the hardest part of it, honestly, was trying to book a conference room. Um, <laughs> the, rest, the rest of it, everyone just wanted this and they came together and, and they all were very wonderful and respectful. And so uh, we have been doing some PDSA cycles 
on how we can really uh, operationalize this uh, and have these sort of debriefs uh, available at any moment's notice. So we're looking at how can we train others to facilitate, uh, how can we streamline uh, scheduling and booking a conference room so that we could make this happen very quickly after an event, uh, and then how we're going to weave this into our Care for the Caregiver program, which will be offering uh, an even broader scope of resources to support our, our providers and our staff. That's great. So um, a couple of questions. I'm, I'm actually curious, so how many um, people were involved, were in the room after this? Um, I, I think that's a great question. <laughs> a lot. Uh, I, I, a lot. Yeah, I would say a it lot. was like twenty or twenty or thirty people. Maybe it was enough that uh, at one point we were at standing room only, and the conference room holds like twenty five people. So, um, and we had moved out all the tables and just put all the chairs around in a circle as best we could. Uh, and just let people look at each other and talk openly. And we didn't want those tables there because we didn't want any even physical barriers between any team members. We want everyone to feel open and supported. I love that. Just symbolically using the space to, uh, for for that purpose is, is so wonderful. And so, and like Nicola was saying, this touches, this kind of event touches so many people. So it, that is a testament to that, that there were just so many people in the room so like what other types of, of folks were there um, just anyone who is involved in this um, in that unit or well you know the event had covered like I said multidisciplinary so this is a person who had been cared for and, and gone through a surgery uh, then had a procedure had been an inpatient uh, you know had been on different inpatient units and when this happened, everybody who had cared for that patient, you know, had been touched in some way. And so we just opened it up. We went to all the leaders of all the units and departments where the patient had been cared for and said, we welcome anybody who has, you know, even if you weren't involved in the event, but it's upsetting you and you're hearing about it or seeing you want to support people you work with, anyone can come. So we had, uh, you know, we had anywhere from the bedside nurses to patient care technicians, the physicians, surgeons, nurse practitioners. So uh, even, even though we had social work there to support, we had some social workers that were affected by the event and, you know, were very upset and questioning, did they do everything they could to support that patient and family? Uh, we had uh, we had spiritual care there to support, but interestingly enough, spiritual care was even questioning, you know, did we respond appropriately to this grieving family? Were we offering ourselves in the right way? It was just really incredible to see how these caregivers just cared so much and that anybody, regardless of how they had been touched by this event, were welcome to come. So how uh, how does the role of the spiritual care person play out? Is that are they just kind of there um, for support to people? And I guess I'm curious how this would apply to the social workers as well. Are they there for if people want to have like a one-on-one -on -one with them following, or like how does that 
work and also how does the spiritual care person interact with the family is that if only if you know requested or do they come following an event like this just automatically how does how does that all work uh, I think that's a great question so uh, if requested they you know they can be paid 24 7 they take call uh, you know if in in the hospital obviously they make rounds uh, where requested uh, and this happened to be an off hours page that went out and so they were questioning did they have the right response the right time response uh, in terms to your question of, of how do they help during the debrief um, in this debrief I think they were able to just uh, our spiritual care manager was the one who stepped up and said I want to come be part of this and help people uh, and she has been involved in what we call the Joy at Work project. So she already had some knowledge and expertise uh, in caring for the caregiver and what those tools look like. Uh, and so I think when the group was talking, uh, spiritual care or our social work liaison was able to kind of speak up uh, and use those important uh, caregiver phrases, right, and tools and, and just letting them know that they were supported and if they needed or wanted that these these resources were available for them um, I did not follow up I do not know if anyone reached out individually to our social worker or spiritual care afterwards uh, I think that that may be very private and I hope that they did if they needed to uh, and 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 to your question of you know what was their role in the debrief other than just you know being that open support just being there offering the words of you know support and comfort to the team and then just letting people know they were resources that was really the role that they played so it wasn't anything really complex it was really just a matter of being present and listening thank you that it does make sense that would be um, a personal thing that if people want it so it's just nice to know that that's you know those those things are available um, to people if they do want to you know have some something more you know one-on-one -on -one if they're um, if that's what they're wanting okay we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back <music> So I'd like to hear from folks about, you know, how did this experience and the experience of having this, you know, care for the caregiver focused debrief affect your, you know, professional practice? Did it did it change your practice following this? You know, that kind of thing. So uh, I don't know, Nicola, would you like to share if anything kind of changed for you following this? Uh, you know, I've worked with, as my colleagues Matt and, and James worked for a number of years with these, you know, in, this particular type of incredibly complex patients who has had a number of disciplines that have helped them to get to the point where uh, this patient was. And over the years, you know, I've been in been in situations where patients have not done well and. 
you know, I've always taken the comfort that the team has done their best. And I, it may sound a simplistic statement, but I, I really believe that, that every member of the team has done their best. But I think knowing that and having that, uh, actually seeing that in a group setting and seeing that the organization has acknowledged that is, I think very important in my sort of take home is it's why I work where I work and it's why I do what I, what I do is I feel supported. I feel supported by the team and I super, truly feel supported by the organization. And uh, I know I've said that before, but that is very impactful for what I do and how I support the other members in the team. If I didn't feel like, um, you know, we had an opportunity like this, which I think is just sort of the next generation of helping and acknowledging that the caregiver at the bedside, whatever level they practice at, is is key to giving the best to these patients. And you can't just make it about um, delivering the care to the patient. You have to make it about delivering the care also to the team. Uh, and that acknowledgement uh, is is just, yeah, it's, it's why I work where I work and do what I do. Thank you so much. And um, before we move on to um, the others, I was just have a follow-up and um, for you that knowing that you've been in practice for in, in this role for 12 years, um, was this a new experience for you? Was is this something that's you know is this a new thing going on, or um, have you had this, any kind of experience like this in the past? I've been in the situation on and off um, as my colleagues have, and we have dealt with it in our own ways. We've sort of come together as small groups and sort of talked it out and found sort of uh, solace and clinical and professional comfort in that manner. And I think that it that does help because we believe that our colleagues um, know what we go through and certainly have our best interests in heart and, and have our uh, have our backs as both you know hopefully Matt and James uh, James feel that we all uh, can say that about each other but to have that acknowledgement from the organization I think um, a makes us you know proud to work where we, where we work but also acknowledges that it's um, it's that continued uh, vision beyond just patients first. It's about the, the people in the environment that take care of the patients and, and they need in some, actually in my mind, almost as, as an, an equal amount of support because if we can't do our jobs and deliver that high standard of care, then then what are we there for? And we, we, we need that support from the organization as much as just our own colleagues. Right. So it sounds like and correct me if I'm wrong, in the past, this was more like people came together, kind of uh, the team kind of did it themselves if they found it necessary to maybe come together and meet. Um, so having a system set this up is, is a newer type of thing. Is that, is that right? Uh, for my particular, you know, I'm not there every day and uh, thank goodness. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, again, with this particular patient, we have had uh, um, control deaths, so to speak, and deaths that were, were, were not were really out of our control and due to, you know, complex circumstances. And I think we all, you know, talk to each other, we talk in small groups and we make sense of it. But to my mind, I have not been 
in this situation where I've had a formalized environment and a safe confidential environment where I could talk my own sort of uh, truth about the situation and hear others. So for me, this was um, the first time that I had experienced this. Okay, great. Um, thanks for clarifying for me. As I know, I might be asking some obvious questions, but I'm not sure. Um, I see Matt is raising his hand, and I just want to give you a chance to um, to speak. So go ahead and share with us. Thank you. Yeah, I, I think um, going back to the, I think the your original question was how did this debriefs impact sort of day-to-day -day practice, more or less? And I, I think um, it just made got me thinking a little bit like the the idea of a debrief isn't new um i think after any sort of an event we usually do hold a sort of impromptu debrief and ask our ourselves and the team what went well what didn't go well what we could do differently and that that really is about changing practice or identifying opportunities to improve practice but this 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 was different i think this was more about the long game in the sense uh it's about uh, the team getting together and sort of building, uh, I think, talking things out, understanding what happened and how it impacted everybody differently, and really building sort of a trust and more like a resiliency to the team uh, so that they can function better going forward and just build trust amongst the team members. I don't know how everybody else feels, but I, I just, I think if you ask yourself, well, how did this change? Like, do I make any decisions differently minute by minute because of that debrief? I think that's a hard, that's a hard question to answer, but going forward, I think you, you can see more trust between people. Um, uh, and I don't mean like we didn't, we didn't trust each other before, but it's more like mm -hmm. you can, you can approach people um, and, uh, just have faith that people are bringing their best, best, the best uh, person forward. I don't. Yeah. So. No, that makes sense. I mean, I, I, I agree. It sounds like it's something that's more. It's a little bit nebulous to say, oh, now I do this particular thing differently. And instead of that, it's sort of more of a, you know, the atmosphere or the you know ecosystem feels different. In that, you know, hopefully. The whole idea is that it builds that resiliency so then you know going in the future if something does come up there's more you know there's more strength to the team and more resilience to sort of be able to handle it um together and you know um and just i would imagine like as as more of these types of things are held it kind of just over time builds what sounds like it's wonderful to hear that you have this team of people there that really do feel that they trust each other and feel that they support each other and can be open with each other because that's you know that doesn't always happen and you're in a job and in, in a field that it's not your average job it's there's there's um you know a lot more um kind of traumatic uh, experiences that are possible to you know to occur than a lot of other fields out there and so to be able to recognize that um, uh, you know as individuals and for the system then to recognize that there is this need uh, for support um, it just I mean, it makes a lot of sense so and I want to give Jessica a chance later but before we close just to share what this care for the caregiver program um, that is being built kind of looks like and 
and that kind of thing. Um, so I do also want to give James a chance to talk about um, anything you want to share about how this either changed your practice or kind of changed your feelings about um, your job or anything like that. So anything to add? Uh, yeah, so I kind of just want to um, echo off of what Matt was saying. It's that the trust that was built in that room, it's more of like an aura walking through the hallways now, knowing that we all went through something together and were able to come together and talk about it. It's just that sense of, I know I said this before, the camaraderie, that if something does happen like this again, it's like we have each other's backs. And knowing that something like this is in place for if we need to discuss what happened or we need to talk about the decisions that were made, that the University of Washington Medical Center is willing to do this for us and help facilitate that, it just makes it better. It's knowing, it's it's like a relief knowing that we don't have to worry about something like that. It's a relief knowing that we have the team set in place that are practicing at the top of their scope and doing everything correctly and professionally and knowing that the safety net is there from the University of Washington uh, Medical Center and the rest of the ancillary staff knowing that they have our backs in these situations again. So I agree with everything that was being said and uh, I'm thankful to work alongside people that share the common goals of um, strength in our team and strength in our patient care. That's great. And, you know, it is, it sort of does sound like at certain times it can probably feel like going through battle together and that kind of thing. Um, I, before we close, I, I'm curious just to bring up the patient, you know, um, that that's a big part of what we're talking about. But as we're, you know, we've been focused more on care for the caregiver because that's what this discussion is about. But, of course, the um, the importance of the patient is very paramount. And I'm, I would just love to hear if anyone has anything to share about how this kind of process, how this taking the time to do this kind of debrief and um, and all of that trickles down to the patient. Is, does this um, impact their the care that you're able to give them? I'll go to you, uh, Jessica, and just I'm curious, even though maybe you're more on a high level. I I can only say that uh, when it when you watch a team go through an event is this. Like when I first read the report, my heart dropped. Uh, and even though I'm in, you know, more of the administrative side now, uh, you remember what it feels like to be at the bedside. And being part of events where things just don't go as planned and you second guess yourself and you take that home with you. And I remember always thinking, gosh, I wish I just had someone to talk to about this, someone who just really understands not just being, you know, a, a nurse or a caregiver, but someone who um, understands the system and the culture of the team I work in. And if I can connect with my team members in a much more personal way, I think, you know, we heard that they all know now you went some, through something together. You all understood each other's perspective. Uh, it feels like that strengthens the bonds and, and the, the way that team members sort of can stand back and respect each other. In, not that they didn't respect each other, but I, it, it seems therapeutic. It seems helpful to be able to hear across the line 
what maybe proceduralists were thinking. What what was the med surge team thinking? What what was uh, you know the surgical team thinking? And I think when you begin to understand those other perspectives, even down to what was the security officer thinking, you get some empathy and compassion for those you work with, and they get it for you. And and hopefully you carry that to to just kind of offer that more of a supportive team. And I would I would have to look uh, to our panel to see how they feel about that, or if I, you know my feelings or my thoughts or perspectives are validated based on their experience. Yeah, I'd love to hear um, from others as well. And it's just funny, as you mentioned, all of the different players that are part of this, it sort of reminds me of how, you know, the end credits of a film, you look at all the different people that are part of making the movie, and it's like, oh, wow, there's so many people involved, and it feels that way in in healthcare as well, where, you know, um, it's way beyond just the people that the patient might see, you know, day to day. Um, there's so much more at play, so... Um, it's it's so interesting to sort of be reminded of that. Um, James, did you have anything to add about you know how this um, how this sort of affects the patient care? I think just moving forward, and if situations like this arise again, it's knowing that it kind of just sticks in the back of your head. Like I feel that something may be heading down this road again. Now, what worked and what didn't, and it could just kind of uh, solidifies what you already know about your practice and that what you are doing correctly and if there are any rooms for improvement or if you are second-guessing yourself it's that concrete knowing that um, you are doing everything correctly and if there are things to change then you can incorporate that but do I think that uh, the results of these debriefs are completely changing the practice for these patients moving forward I don't think so because I think this was a very special circumstance and that we may encounter things like this in the future, but there were no errors created and it was uh, reassured that all the decisions that we made, whether we were questioning them, it was in the best interest and it was uh, to better quality of life and it was the right uh, pathway for the care for that patient. So. I think that's what I have to say about that. Right. Yeah, I appreciate that that honesty too. And um, I guess what I uh, sort of imagine is that um, just having the chance to offload some of your concerns and worries after an event like this, um, at least going you know going to the next um, patients following that, it's sort of like you're less preoccupied at least. Um, uh, having processed something so that you can p be more fully um, available, you know, you know, mentally and emotionally for the patient as well. Um, Nicola, do you have anything to add? Uh, I would echo exactly what James has said. I don't think that these events particularly change my day-to-day -day practice. Uh, I still want to deliver the best care that I can from a team and deliver, you know, the goals of our uh, surgical attendings and certainly the goals of the patient and family. I think what it does do is it gives you sort of a, a background to practice. And I think all of us, however we practice, it, that background of support uh, 
is is very very key because I think we've all seen that if you don't have an environment where you feel supported, sometimes not the best decisions are made. And we don't want that. We don't want to work. Any of us want to work in an environment where we feel. Um, gosh, what's going to happen if? So all of these patients, particularly this particular type of patient, has a complex set of issues. And we need to be able to um, change and pivot and and uh, it, sometimes even from a, a minute-to-minute basis throughout the day to individualize that care. And if we don't feel like we have an environment that will support us if that decision is positive or not necessarily the outcome that we, we wanted, then then that's not a good environment for any of us to practice in. So that's kind of my my take home from these events and this discussion is we want a freedom to really practice at a, at a highest level. And that, that comes from the organisation. It comes from our colleagues around us. And I think this is, you know, the beginning of something that I think all of us really find valuable is, is this coming together to to hear and and just to validate. But from a day-to-day perspective, no, I think we'll all, con- all continue to do what we do to the best of our abilities. Of course. Um, thank you so much for sharing. And I just want to give Matt a chance as well if you have anything to add. Uh, you know, I think, you know, just to echo a lot of what James said, I think... Um, does this impact my, my, how I interact with our patients on a day-to-day basis? Probably, yes, but it's difficult to, put a, to, to identify how. But when you think of it as sort of a bigger, on a bigger sort of picture, um, I think a, a team, I hate to make the sports analogy. I don't want to, um, but I, I've got to. Like, even <laughs> the soccer team with all of the- Okay, we love analogies. Yeah, you have a soccer team, all of the most gifted, best players in the world. They don't know each other at all, uh, they're, but they're all very, very good. They go up against a team of slightly less talented players who all have a history and a rapport with one another. It's likely that that less gifted team is going to do better because they know one another and they trust one another and they can anticipate uh, the decisions that their teammates are going to make. And I think they're, they're going to work and move as a unit more effectively. And I think that this, this type of a, a, a debrief or a discussion, it builds that rapport and it builds the trust amongst different team, team members uh, and it makes us more effective as a group going forward. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about that, but that's where I landed. Yeah, I mean, I, I love that analogy and, and I think it, it highlights that um, that sort of thing that was hard to put your finger on, which is the building team spirit, you know, um, and and uh, it is incredibly important and to be able to um, to know when that you know proverbial you know it's going to be a ball is going to be passed to you, like having that, especially in um, in moments where you know something's happening where things are moving quickly. Um, to be able to, you know, have an understanding of each other and be able to communicate and and just um, and have that closeness. And then, of course, you know, have that team spirit. I think that's great. Um, so those are sort of all of our questions. And I, I do want to give uh, Jessica a chance to share um, about this Care for the Caregiver program that UWMC is building. 
um, and what that's looking like and, and that what, what the future looks like for that. And any advice you might have for listeners who might want to set up something similar in their system um, or encourage the leaders in their system to, to do something like that? Sure. So uh, when we, we first started looking at a Care for the Caregiver program, uh, we reached out to many other academic uh, large medical centers across the nation to say, has anyone done this? What do your programs look like? You know, share with us the challenges and barriers and how you overcame them. And uh, we had a, a group that really looked at, you know, what are our staffing turnover rates? How does that translate to cost? Uh, and what would retaining staff mean for terms of cost avoidance, but not just, but also knowledge, right? Uh, there's keeping staff within the institution and the knowledge that they bring in their practice and the knowledge that they gain, you don't want to lose that. Uh, and so we really said, you know, how are we going to define our return on investment? What programs are out there? Uh, we ultimately landed on the University of Missouri Health System's three-tiered interventional model uh, it's for second victim support. It was developed by Sue Scott. It's been adopted by many hospitals through the U.S. and has really demonstrated some positive results for caregivers and second victims. Uh, it, it just seemed the best fit for UWMC given our culture and our current resources. Uh, and, and this is a three-tiered model uh, where you have tier one, which is kind of that department unit level uh, support and having resources available uh, locally. Uh, then you go into the second tier where you have trained peer supporters uh, and the resources of patient safety and your risk management team. Uh, and so, you know, we talk about this, you know, having a debrief uh, available uh, where, you know, another program we're working on is our communication resolution program you asked before, but had there been any follow-up with the family afterwards? And Actually, our risk management, our patient relations, and our executive team, when we have adverse events, they are always reaching out. Uh, and now we are going to put into practice a more uh, systematic, uh, formalized way that we will support caregivers and communicate back with patients and families after events. And that communication will be what the family needs and however many times that needs to be. Uh, and so that's kind of the tier two and then tier three uh, is really this established referral network. So you know, we have an employee assistance program, uh, but then also having chaplains, social work, uh, having a clinical psychologist available, uh, and then just ensuring that not only these resources are, resources are available, but that we can expedite access to you know, our professional, to prompt that professional support and guidance in the moment that it's needed. Uh, so when this happened, uh, honestly, it would have been nice if we, you know, in an ideal state that we would have had these resources that people could have reached out that day, the next day, right? And, and that we were able to kind of provide that support so they didn't have to go, you know, six, seven days carrying this with them. 
And in your in the Care for the Caregiver program, we looked at a lot of our employee engagement surveys, our culture of safety survey questions, our physician engagement survey, and even our nursing indicator survey. And we found some questions uh, that we've been asking for years uh, of people, you know, about their joy in work and their satisfaction with their employer and, and realize this, uh, along with our turnover rates, could also help uh, uh, be a measuring stick for us and in how we're going to progress in, in this program and how this will uh, affect our caregivers. Um, right now, we what we envision the program would be in operation 24/7, 365 days a year, including nights, weekends, and holidays. Uh, we're looking to have a dedicated phone number, website, and even an email that employees and faculty can contact anytime for support. Um, we are looking at having a peer support uh, program coordinator, uh, and now that. Uh, we have aligned this with our other key UWMC initiatives. Uh, you know, when you're moving safety culture, there there are many uh, pieces to that. So there's just culture, there's communication resolution program, uh, there's the care for the caregiver program. And those are, you know, if you look at, if you think about it, those all just kind of overlap with each other. And so we really defined out and aligned our care for the caregiver program uh, and how it's going to fill this existing gap that we've identified uh, and weave together with our other programs, such as communication and resolution program or our Just Culture program. And for our listeners, if you're interested in finding more of this, we use the AHRQ CANDOR, C-A-N-D-O-R uh, toolkit. You can very simply Google that and you will, you will find a very helpful tool when looking at these different uh, kind of cornerstones of a patient safety program. Now, we recently had executive uh, support, we went to our executive team, they approved uh, the vision for the program, uh, and our new uh, COO, Jeff Austin, uh, I think said it best, uh, was once he saw the presentation and the proposal, the only question he had was, when do we begin? And I think that really speaks volumes to how our leaders envision uh, and feel about the future of the organization. And they recognize that caring for staff and faculty, uh, it has to be a number one priority to meet any one of our pillar goals. I love that. Um, and it, it really does speak to the, the importance of leadership being on board with this kind of thing and really recognizing the importance. And I love that you spoke to, you know, the importance of the timeliness, like having this kind of thing available, um, you know, the referral network and, and, you know, support for those available as soon as possible. I mean, I think that's a great goal and it, it can be probably a challenge to implement, but it's, it feels really important to at least, you know, trying to get there. Um, we will share, uh, I'll put a link on the show notes to the HRQ Candor Toolkit and any other links, Jessica, that you want to send me, um, feel free and I'll just, I'll put those in the show notes for people to refer to. Um, and if there's, I don't know if there's anything else that you wanted to add, um, but if not, 
I would uh, just want to thank so much the the team here who who joined us and for for taking the time um, out of you know your your valuable time to to share with us your experience and and to be really um, candid about it. It's it was so interesting to hear and it feels uh, really really important that these things are um, in you know being put in place and um, and I would hope that these are things that you know others can take away some lessons learned and and you know hopefully you know be able to if this doesn't exist in their uh, environment where they're working and it feels necessary then they can hopefully take away some of the learning and um, be able to put it into practice so um, well, thank you so much, Emily, for providing us with, you know, a platform uh, to discuss this and to share the experience, I think, is really what was so rich. I just really appreciate Matt, James, and Nicola, uh, again, not only taking your time, but also being willing uh, to share your personal side of it uh, and speak to what this meant to you and provide us with that feedback. I just feel that was so important. Uh, and Emily, it was so great to have a venue, a platform where we can actually share this because I think that a lot of hospital systems uh, are doing great things. But when you really look at nationally, uh, the problems and issues we're trying to tackle, a lot of times we're the same. And I think the message you have to understand is we're all in this together. So we need to hear from each other. And thank you for providing that. Absolutely. And we're so happy to provide this platform. And I hope that we can continue doing so for all of these really important um, topics that come into play with in, within healthcare. Because there's, there's so many sides to it. And like you speak to, you know, the other piece, one of the other pieces of this being communication resolution, you know, following. So we'll definitely be covering some of that in the future um, and many, many other topics. So um, with that, does anyone else have anything they would love to add at, the, at our end here? Um, I would just like to thank uh, you, Emily and Jessica, for allowing us to be a part of this. And uh, thank you to Matt and Nikolai. You guys are great coworkers and colleagues, and I'm happy to be part of this team and a part of the University of Washington Medical Center. Thank you so much. And I'd just like to echo that. Thank you very much for the opportunity to talk about this. And I would do the same. I would just say one comment. I didn't understand Matt's analogy for soccer, so I would put that into a rugby <laughs> perspective. But that's okay. Uh, joking aside, it was a great opportunity. <laughs> I think it's. I just think it's another another opportunity to um, have uh, other organisations see that you know that we're changing. That you know, university is changing. We're adapting, and and that's key. Absolutely. Um, I just I really appreciate all of your wisdom so much. And, you know, I guess Matt will maybe we'll have to have you do a blog post about the soccer analogy so we can understand it better. Um, so, and for Nicola. So um, with that, this closes today's podcast. And thank you all for listening, you listeners out there in the future. And we will um, put all of our um, links and resources into the show notes so you can take a look for those. Thank you all so much.